Blog Talk Radio. Now that Edge is retired, 
if Christian Alberto Del Rio Kane, the big show or other sir any uh we'll get into some thoughts and things on that, shall we not? Yeah, I mean, we'll definitely get into that, and that's a good segue into, like, uh, my intro and our opening topic. Um, You know, just when we think that we're not going to be talking about wrestling that much, I think it's uh, only appropriate that we, you know, talk about this because it's such a bombshell. I know we'll talk about your evening last night, and we'll talk about where you were when you heard the news, but folks, Adam Copeland, also known as, better known as Edge, of the WWE last night announced he was retiring. DG, just give me some raw. <laughs> here's a, that's a nice little pun. Give me some raw emotions about how you felt when you first heard that Edge was retiring all of a sudden. Um, you know, honestly, I think the only word that would accurately describe it would be complete and utter shock, because you know, truth is, as Joe said, our main topic of the conversation tonight, folks, has to be the monster, unexpected announcement of Edge retiring. Um, I was at the Mets game last night, unfortunately, and we'll get into that in a minute. But, uh, you know, Joe was texting me, and Joe is, I always think he's full of garbage, so I, I usually don't believe a word he says. Um, but, I, you know, I didn't believe him, and he was insulting me, as he usually does, calling me names I can't repeat on the air. But when I started looking at Twitter before my battery died, I saw all the people tweeting, Edge retiring, Edge retiring, Edge retiring, so I was like, wow, this has to be legitimate. When I got home uh, from the game, you know, and... I, I checked out DVR, I looked at it, and I just could not believe it, sir. Uh, if I could, if you'll allow me, sir, would it be uh, all right with the uh, PG audience if I go on a bit of a rant? Go ahead, rant away, sir. All right. Well, you know, I was taking some notes today, and I actually had to take them twice because uh, I didn't get my sleep last night for whatever reason. I just couldn't stay. Oh, I couldn't sleep. I woke up, you know, not because of this. It's just, I don't know. I, I, I don't know what was going on with me. But anyway, um... The fact is that with Edge's career suddenly being over, you know, Adam Copeland, Edge, uh, Jason Worth, whatever you want to call him, he is truly an irreplaceable performer and a main eventer. He has the most title reigns in the history of the WWE with 31. That would be 11 WWE and World Heavyweight Championship reigns. I believe it's four WWE, seven World Heavyweight Championships. Um, He has five Intercontinental title reigns, one U.S. title, 14 tag team titles, with a record 12 World Tag Team titles, which was the official, you know, the true lineage going back to, you know, Tony Atlas and uh, all those other goofs and Rocky Johnson back in the day. But, uh, you know, before it became the unified WWE Tag Team titles, he has two of the WWE Tag Team reigns, and he's also the only man to have ever won the first Money in the Bank, along with the King of the Ring, which I saw live in 2001. Rooting for him big time. I was a big fan of Edges back back then. You know, at the Izod Center, which, of course, in those days was called the Continental Airlines Arena. And Edge, as we all know, won the 2010 Royal Rumble. The truth is he is indeed a no-doubt Hall of Famer, one of the best of his generation. He is one of the truly, truly the best in the business at this point in his career. Unfortunately, his career, regardless of how much longer he may have had, it was cut short by at least a couple of years. I mean, the truth be told, you know, thank God they found out soon enough that will keep him from staying out of a wheelchair for the rest of his life. But, JB, give us some thoughts on uh, on that. You know, like, like I stated earlier, there's no way, shape, or form that Edge can effectively be replaced. But the fact is that he leaves an enormous hole in the, in the SmackDown roster that if you really look at it from an objective point of view and just take SmackDown as a whole, this this couldn't possibly come at a worse time, sir. And this really puts a, a damper on anything going on with the WWE, sir. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I totally hear you with the the leaving a hole, but looking at Edge the person, first of all, I just think that 
he uh, made the right choice by going to see a doctor this past week and finding out, you know, that if he continued to wrestle, he would end up in a wheelchair. So um, definitely hats off to, to Edge for, you know, making sure that he's number one priority and not, you know, overkilling it. Like, you know, Stone Cold knew when to retire, too. I think Edge knew when to retire a little sooner. So I do uh, applaud him for taking the guts and, and announcing his retirement. And, you know, like like DG said, uh, I really didn't believe it either when they were doing it on Raw. I thought it was just an angle, and I thought that, like, you know, Albert Del Rio would, you know, interrupt or something like that. So hats off to uh, Edge and a great speech last night on Raw. So if you, uh, you, if you didn't catch it, if you didn't DVR, just catch it on YouTube. I believe you can. It was a great uh, speech. But, DG, he does leave a big hole in SmackDown, and, you know, the good thing, I guess, uh, the only good thing I could see out of this is that they do a draft every year, and um, this might be time to, like, shift some of that, you know, heavy, you know, top-heavy roster that's on Raw over to SmackDown. That is true, but all right, let's look at this objectively, sir. Who exactly can come to SmackDown? You know, this this is the way that I see it, and this is just me personally, of course. Uh, you know, you'll be able to chime in as you always do. The fact is, as, as we said, there's truly no main eventers on SmackDown. Edge was just about the only one. You cannot count on The Undertaker because he's always injured, right? So we can we can agree that Edge is the only true main event guy up there. And, of course, he was a face, the face of the show, and he has been for the most part. Um, you know, the fact that Undertaker is possibly dead after uh, the match with Triple H, you know, that doesn't help. But, you know, what are the options for the champions and effectively the person who's going to carry the show on Friday nights? Like I said, this is our poll question. We want you to vote, but let, let's look at the options. Alberto Del Rio is a relative newcomer in the WWE. He's been there for about a year um, in, in the business as far as the WWE goes, which, according to them, that's all that matters. He's gotten a big push, and now, as you and I talked about yesterday, it makes sense why he did not win the title at, at uh, WrestleMania 27. Is he ready? I honestly don't think that he is, but I guess, JB, at this point, it doesn't really matter if he's ready. You know, It's really about who's the best option more than anything to keep up. SmackDown from sinking. Any thoughts on that, sir? Before I continue. Yeah, I mean, I've always thought. I mean, if we if we look back at the tape again or listen back to the tape, I know that you were big on Albert Del Rio winning the Royal Rumble and you know hopefully taking the title from Edge. And I just didn't see it yet, and I think that you know looking back at retrospectively, um, it was definitely a good thing that Edge did keep the title, but unfortunately had to retire now. So. I don't even know if Albert's a viable candidate to carry the title after Edge leaves. Um, who else do you have on that list? Well, you know, I said, yeah, I do believe that eventually he will be World Heavyweight Champion, and I believe that he is good and he has the talent. But, you know, again, at this point, not ready. But we'll see what happens. My personal favorite out of this list would have to be Christian. Um, I've always been a huge fan of his, uh, never truly understood, and I still will never understand why Edge got the legendary push that he did, and Christian was pretty much left in the dust. Um, if Christian doesn't become the face of SmackDown, and I mean taking Edge's spot, in essence, literally taking over for Edge, um, and getting a couple of title reigns at least, honestly, and I, you know, I say this jokingly, obviously no offense to, to Edge, but he should fake an injury and retire because he's never <laughs> going to get pushed. If this is not his chance, if Vince does not say, you know what, Christian, take the ball and run with it, then Christian needs to fake an injury and retire and go off into the sunset with his best friend. I love Christian, too, uh, DG, because um, he did carry ECW or the fake ECW for a good couple months, you know, as champion. But uh, he also was, you know, he was in in TNA and was the world champion there, too. So why can't somebody like Christian, with his charisma, not to steal his lines or anything, but with his charisma – 
you know, be able to just take the torch that Edge, you know, the the torch and just become what Edge was and become the face of SmackDown. He's he's just as good as Edge on the mic, and you know, his wrestling skills are are probably better than Edge, DG. Yeah, you know, it's like I said, I really, I really do not understand it. He's always been one of my favorites. He's definitely one of my favorites in the roster, and you know, this definitely gives him more of a push because Edge is not there, so it has to move him up the death chart, as it were. Um, the truth is that, for whatever reason, Vince has never been a fan of his. So, you know, he's always picked Edge. He's always pushed Edge. And, you know, the truth is that Christian is good. I mean, he's he's damn good, and he can get the jobs done. I believe that if they give him the chance, he will not let the WWE down. I believe that he will not let Vince down. I believe that he'll get the job done, you know, so they need to push Christian to the moon and really give him this opportunity because the other options, I don't know, I don't know how good they are. You know, we're going to have, uh, the other thing would be Kane and Big Show who are on the list, but the truth is the Kane and Big Show are not really main eventers. They've main evented, yes. Kane was recently the, the last World Heavyweight Champion before Edge, held the title for about five months. But, you know, they're they're all over the card. They're all over the place. They they could be in the beginning, the middle, the end of the card. It doesn't really matter. But I, I don't see them being all of a sudden after all this comedy crap with Core and Apple and all this other garbage being pushed back up to main event status to take over for Edge. And the truth is neither one of them I don't think is really good enough to carry the show. The other possibility, unfortunately, I think the only real legit possibility, because you know Cena's not coming to SmackDown. I think the only real other possibility would have to be Randy Orton, which would be great because that means he'd be off of my TV every week, our TVs, as it were. But at the same time, bad because if if he doesn't like you, he will curse you out in the ring and he'll get you buried. Any thoughts on that, Joe? <laughs> I didn't think you would actually pick Randy Orton, but yeah, anything to get him off of my TV as well. I'm totally in agreement with you. But um, I was thinking about somebody that you know that we'll get to later on in our discussion with uh, WWE lately is that. Maybe somebody that, you know, is not going to make it on Raw, the A-show, as we know it. But, um, you know, maybe somebody like a John Morrison should be shipped over to SmackDown. Yeah, I hadn't thought about that, but we're going to have to we're gonna have to get into that bad boy a little bit later on. Um, because, you know, of course, we've already discussed what's going on with John Morrison uh, off the air. But I, I don't see that happening, especially because of what we're going to discuss later. But that would be good. The only other thing I could see, maybe Triple H going over there, but Triple H doesn't seem like he wants to even wrestle. But with Edge being forced into an immediate retirement, I mean, what, what's the what are the odds that he's not going to be he's not going to have to come back and wrestle more? I mean, the, the truth is that WWE is in trouble. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it uh, as far as SmackDown goes, sir. And you know what? That that I mean, I'd love to see Morrison get pushed, but again, we'll, we'll get into that a little bit later. So, uh, anybody else? Any other guys you think might be pushed up there before we, uh, you know? Uh, we continue talking more about Edge on on some other levels. I mean, you could you could put anybody that was in that five man gauntlet match over there, uh, except maybe for our truth uh, and try to help the main event at SmackDown. But the the truth is, DG, uh, still another pun. The truth is <laughs> that you know with with uh, with the rosters the way they are, so thin, um, and then we have an injury, a key injury at that with Edge. Uh, you, the WWE is left to scramble, so I've always, you know, I keep saying it. I know they're never going to do it. They're never going to end the Raw and SmackDown roster brands and all that good stuff because, you know, other guys will not get uh, TV time and whatnot. But um, I just think that the main event, um, the main eventers are there's not that many. Any, you know, there's not that many, and unfortunately, 
SmackDown is gonna. I think SmackDown is gonna suffer even more now without Edge because I think people watch SmackDown because of Edge. I think he actually really did carry that show, DG. And I don't think. I think without him off the air, maybe he comes back as a. I don't know, a manager or something like that. But I, I don't know. Like they haven't really discussed what his role is going to be with the WWE. If anything, um, if he's not a wrestler, I don't. I don't know. Maybe you can make him something. It would be cool if somehow they spun it where he ended up being the Raw anonymous general manager. Yeah, that would be pretty cool to keep him on the air in some way, shape, or form. But the truth is he's probably, you know, he's got to be devastated after everything that happened. So I'm sure that he's he's going to want to take some time off and just do his own thing and get away from it all. I can't imagine he's going to want to continue to be involved. But, you know, at the same time, I mean, knowing Edge, he, if it wasn't for the fact that his life was basically on the line, he probably would have just continued wrestling until he ended up crippled anyway. So... Um, you know, again, big fan of Edge. It's a shame to see what happened to him. And the truth is, we have to see. We have to see where how this is all going to play out. But there's so many questions. There's just so many things that need to be answered for us as fans to find out. You know, where are we going? What's the deal? What's the plan with this whole um, situation on SmackDown? Because this is not your IC champ. This is whomever that may be. This is not your tag team champ. This is the guy. This is the guy on that show. Obviously, Cena's not going over. Any thoughts to whom who else may go? Because the truth is, if you look at the SmackDown roster, I looked at it today, I mean, they have nobody, sir. They literally, uh, the SmackDown roster is terrible. It's just totally empty of talent. And, um, you know, this, this is something that was talked about on the, uh, and I mean, this is this is one of two times I'll mention them. I'm busted open because I was listening to them Monday, which would be yesterday. Um, they talked about how, and this is before they found that Edge was gone, that with Edge, Triple H, and Taker, once these guys retire, w- what are you going to have left? You know, in the 80s when wrestling was booming, who who were the big stars? You had your Roddy Piper, you had your Ted DiBiase, your Mr. Perfect, Paul Orndorff, all these guys who made their names in other places, and Vince pretty much just bought them out. Of course, Hulk Hogan, that goes without saying. But in the 90s, you know, they developed some of their own stars, uh, Triple H, Stone Cold Steve Austin, um, The Rock, you know, Edge, Christian, who were, you know, the lower on the car, the whole DX, everything. They developed guys who, for the most part, weren't that big in other companies. But what is there left now at this point for the WWE? Because, you know, once Triple H and Taker retire, who's left? They have CM Punk, who's awesome, but he's an indie wrestler. Uh, the WWE bought out all the territories, so they're not going to get those. They don't have much of a talent pool to pick from, as it were, because their FCW guys are all pretty much carbon copy clones of each other with no personality, have shown nothing. You have the Drew McIntyres of the world who absolutely suck. I mean, sir, I, I honestly, you got to think that we may be heading for a dark period in wrestling because who in the world is going to step up and carry the ball at all? I mean, these guys aren't that good. These guys haven't done anything. These guys haven't proven anything, sir. So I, I honestly don't know how or what or who or or what it possibly could save the WWE in the next couple of years. Yeah, I agree. Triple H is definitely on his, uh, you know, on the decline of his career. I mean, what about people like, um, you know how SmackDown's considered the B show? I mean, we, uh, WWE will never, um, they'll never admit that. Uh, but, you know, let's face it, they are the B show. But why not send some talent like the mid-card talent from Raw over to SmackDown and elevate them? What about sending over like somebody like Sheamus and maybe making him... Well, like the the face of SmackDown. All right, I think that Sheamus is, and you know what? High on Sheamus, so my wife hates his guts, but that's just the point. I like Sheamus. 
I don't I don't see him being a face at this point in his career. I can't see him carrying that. Morrison has the in ring ability to be like but he can't really talk on the mic, so he would need a valet or something and you know, again we'll get into that later, but the truth is Sheamus has the potential to be a main event player. Who else but he he would be a heel. They need a main event face. Who else other than Christian really has what it takes? I mean, you know, if I go if I go right now and I look up the SmackDown roster, I mean, there's there's nothing on that roster. And even the guys from Raw, I mean, R Truth, R Truth sucks. I don't even know why. And we'll get into this in a minute as well. I don't even know why R Truth is in this title match at, uh, at WrestleMania. It, I mean, WrestleMania at Extreme Rules. It doesn't even make sense. This guy's done nothing. He's yeah. done absolutely nothing. He's not that good. I mean, I mean, what are you doing? <laughs> I mean, you are right though. I mean, Randy Orton. Unless he's going to continue to feud with uh, the core, which or Nexus, you can never get those two groups confused. But uh, if he's going to feud with Nexus, which it looks like they're going to continue that feud, which is god awful, DG, because you basically castrated uh, Nexus to steal a line from yeah. somebody. I don't know who said castrated. Was it Pyro or was it was it Justin? Somebody said castrated. I think it was me, sir. Okay, DG said castrated. I digress. <laughs> But, uh, you know, they're going to continue that storyline. But how bad is that? I mean, send Randy Orton over there. End the stupid feud between the Nexus and, and Randy Orton. Because, obviously, Randy Orton is Superman, the next Superman, next to John yeah, Cena. Yeah, because he, he beat everybody in Nexus. And then he also beat Punk on one leg at WrestleMania. So it's time to send somebody like Randy Orton over there. And, you know, he he could probably carry the show, but I could care less. But Randy Orton, I mean, he's he's useless on Raw right now. I always use this period, but you know an, another idea, sir. This is something I was thinking about today when my first set of notes that I had to rewrite for some reason. The the other thing that I could imagine them doing, but I don't know if Booker would want to. But again, when people, when things happen of this magnitude, where your face of your show is is taken out forever to never return, you know sometimes people make calls to action. Booker still got the talent. He's got the ability. What if they could somehow convince Booker T to get out of the announce table and main event SmackDown? He obviously can do it. Would he want to? That's a different story, but Booker has the talent, has the credibility. He could be the face on SmackDown and run that along with Christian, and, you know, they could push, continue to push Del Rio. Uh, what do you think about that, sir? That's a definite. I, I just don't know, you know, where his, you know, where, why he's actually doing the broadcasting and why he isn't wrestling. So, well, is he I injured think or he... No, he's getting up there in age, and I think he'd prefer to help out with the younger talent. It's kind of what he's doing in TNA. He was more enhancing the talent than anything else. But, uh, you know, he's doing the tough enough training, which probably finished filming at this point, but who knows about that. I mean, let's look at this roster. I'm going through it right now, and we already mentioned a couple of the guys. I mean, Brodus Clay is a nobody. Chavo Guerrero is jobbing it up. Chris Masters, Cody Rhodes, who had a good showing at WrestleMania, but is nowhere near main event status. Uh, Kurt Hawkins, who? What? Drew McIntyre, who is the chosen one, the chosen piece of trash. All of Core, who I like Wade Barrett, the only one out of the four of them who's really any good, aside from Justin Gabriel and his uh, 450 splash, but the other th- the other guys aren't that great. Um, Barrett's not ready. He just got the IC title, so forget about that. Jack Swagger, who could be pushed to main event again and stay in main event, but he's more of a heel than anything else. Um, I mean, there's nothing here. Kofi, Kofi's a mid-carder who... I'd love to see him get the main event push, but he's definitely not even close to being ready. Ray is washed up. Um, that's you know that's pretty much it. Trent Beretta, Tyler Rex. I mean, who who are these guys? These guys stink. There's SmackDown is so terrible that if you look at the roster, it's almost embarrassing, sir. Almost. I, I like it. I, I like the idea of uh, like you said, Jack Swagger. He's tied up in a storyline, and maybe he's going to go face after what Cole did to him last night on Raw. 
uh, which we don't really have to get into. But I'm just saying, Jack Swagger <laughs> is another guy that could definitely carry the show, and he could he plays a good face and he plays a good heel, sir. Well, I don't know about playing good face. I don't know what you're smoking, but apparently it's something, some of that bad stuff because Swagger's never really been a face. He's always been a heel, and he has the list that people like to make fun of, and I think he's a natural heel. Uh, face, I just don't see it happening. He has talent, obviously, but I just don't see Swagger ever really being a main event face. If Miz wasn't main eventing on Raw, I would say put Miz over there, but that's obviously not going to happen. Um, I, again, I don't know, sir. We, we've talked about this quite a bit, and Christian's got to get the job done, and Vince has to push Christian. I just don't see any other way this is going to work, in my own honest, humble opinion, sir. Well, the other, you know, the flip side of that is that maybe we won't have a a face world heavyweight champion. Maybe we will have a heel world heavyweight champion, just like we have a a heel WWE champion on Raw. Well, they can do that, and that's fine. But I'm saying you need a main event face, somebody to be permanently main event to basically to feud against him. You know, Edge and Del Rio, this could have gone on for months, and now it's it's abruptly finished. So they obviously need to have somebody who's going to be up there challenging him on a regular basis, along with the other faces that they'll put in there if, Adele, if and when Del Rio does win the title, sir. Yeah, let's face it, though, DG. If if Christian doesn't get the push now, now that Edge suddenly has retired, unfortunately I feel he'll never get that push. I agree with that, and like I said, he should fake an injury and retire himself because Vince, for whatever reason, Vince does not love Christian. I don't know what it is. Um, well, speaking of honestly, What? No, what were you going to say, no, I was just gonna say, you know, we've we've beaten this one down with a rubber rubber pole. I just wanted to say, <laughs> speaking of people that Vince doesn't like, um, you know, we had that gauntlet match on Raw last night to determine the number one contender. And um out of the five people, um, you know, the obvious choice was John Cena, but I thought this was a great time for John Morrison to actually win that match and then main event at Extreme Rules against um, the Miz, and then DG off the air was kind enough to tell me that Jomo, as we call him on Pure Gold, Jomo John Morrison, is <laughs> yeah, not in good gold. graces. <laughs> is not in the good graces of uh, Vince McMahon as well. So what is up with that, DG? Well, from everything that I've read from the internet dirt sheets, as it were, and the credible sheets like WrestleZone with our good friend Justin Labar, um, we've read that Vince McMahon is not a big fan of John Morrison. Now, I don't know how deep you really want to get into this, sir, considering uh, the nature of it, but the truth is that Vince is not sold on John Morrison as a competitor. thinks he's not a legitimate tough guy who can beat somebody up. My point to that is how could he look at The Miz and think that The Miz is, is a legitimate tough guy? He definitely does not look like a legit tough guy. Neither does Jericho, whom I love, and a lot of, a lot of other guys, you know, Bret Hart, Sean, those guys don't look like tough guys. Austin, yes. Rock, yes. Cena, yes. Orton, yes. Taker, yes, but, I mean, these other guys don't look like legit. You know, Taker on one leg is somebody I wouldn't want to run into in the dark alley, as I always say. But, I mean, John Morrison, he looks like he's uh, selling hair care products. But the fact is, he gets good pops there. The crowd is really into him. He's a face. But because of the fact that he gave Trish the cold shoulder, this is what I've heard, um, and Trish actually confirmed that there was an issue with John Morrison. on the, Again, on the Busted Open radio show, they... Aired, they uh, aired the interview yesterday, but they actually taped it on Friday. Trish said that John gave her the cold shoulder. She thought there would be a couple cool things they can do. He obviously didn't for whatever reason, and he just pretty much gave her the cold shoulder. She tried to hug him. He went away. Uh, I'm not sure if you can notice that at WrestleMania. I'd have to go back and look at the DVR before I, before I delete that garbage. But, um, you know, she said that she made a couple of 
kind of funny comments of basically insulting his intelligence. And I mean, Trish did not shy away from it. And the truth is that Trish is extremely well-liked in the WWE locker room. She's always done the job. She's done what she's had to do. She's a part of Tough Enough, so they brought her in to promote that, which is a big thing going on in the WWE right now. So um, Melina Morrison's real-life girlfriend apparently was upset that Trish is getting the spot that a diva should have gotten. But you know what? If you think about that story, sir, it really... It really would have made no sense to have any of them in that other than Trish, that whole, you know, six-person tag that we hated. But, you know, Lay Cool was there made sense. But what other diva could have fit? None of them. Melina would have made no sense. Natalia would have made no sense. Beth Phoenix, I mean, none of them would have made any sense. But, um, so that, that's the deal with that, sir. And it, like I said, this actually confirmed from Trish's mouth that there was there was definitely some tension there. And, you know, it is what it is. She's a fan of John Morrison, the, the wrestler, but apparently he could have let his personal issues or having to stand up for his quote-unquote girlfriend, uh, you know, keep him out of the doghouse. And obviously Vince is not a big fan of that. So, you know, where can he go from there, sir? Yeah, you're right. Um, And unfortunately, you know, we do all the fancy booking, but we never, you know, we never really take into consideration. And this is a major part of wrestling business is the politics behind the scenes. So, you know, we can fancy book all we want. But, folks, the truth is that, if John Morrison is not, you know, seen, in, you know, by Vince as being a good guy because he snubbed, you know, Trish, then, you know, John Morrison's not going to get that push that we think he deserves because of his in-ring talent, you know, with his mic skills and his wrestling ability. So you add all that up and, you know, you get the illogic, the illogical WWE saying that, all right, let's make extreme rules for the WWE title a three-way with Miz, Cena, and DG. Yes, I do not lie. I will tell you it's our truth. Sir, (laughs) you have got to explain to me how, I don't care what doghouse, outhouse, in-house, boathouse, Morrison is in. How does our truth get into this match? I mean, first of all, he's never been in a title match, which, you know, thank goodness for that. But where where do they get off giving him a a title shot? I mean, it's going to be a triple threat. Who cares about a triple threat? Cena and Miz... I can understand them going one-on-one again, but this is extreme rules. They could have had a nice spot fest between Miz and Morrison, as you said. They didn't want to do that. They don't want to push Morrison. But, sir, this really only hurts us as fans because, I mean, this absolutely sucks. There's just no ifs, ands, or buts about it. <laughs> I mean, I want to – I've said this many a times and not enough times on Pure Gold, but I want to personally beat with, again, a rubber pole. Anybody that buys this pay-per-view known as extreme rules because – I think it's going to be a complete crap fest. Uh, I would never spend more than uh, maybe a dollar to watch this pay-per-view because, honestly, it's just WWE just is serving up crap once again. The road to WrestleMania 28 is technically not underway, but they're going to serve up oh, crap. Oh, it is, for next- It is underway, oh, oh, no doubt. <laughs> <laughs> the WWE is going to serve up some crap pay-per-views and some crap TV again you know, for the next eight, nine months before the road to WrestleMania Officially, officially begins, and again, and again, again, and again, <laughs> and again. <laughs> That's WrestleMania 30's theme, by the way. But, Where it all begins um, again, folks. And again. And again. And again. <laughs> <laughs> so, so uh, you know, DG. I mean, do you understand the people's logic to buy these pay-per-views? I mean, just explain to me. Instead of buying the pay-per-views, why can't you just donate to the PG fund and just like listen to us because we talk. Total logic. It's I, I don't understand people that buy these pay-per-views. We bought WrestleMania. It's the big one of them all. We we sometimes buy the Royal Rumble, 
but who buys these monthly crap pay-per-views? Well, I know one person who's going to buy a monthly crap pay-per-view is one of our loyal listeners, Andy. Hopefully Andy's listening right now and uh, embarrassed and ashamed of himself. He actually told me that his mother's a big wrestling fan, so she's the one pushing for it. Why, I have no clue. Uh, again, Andy, our thoughts on our prayers go out to you. But uh, Extreme Rules is just terrible. Uh, again, it used to be Beck Lashley, but for whatever reason, it's now Extreme Rules, which at one point was One Night Stand, which at another point was, you know, uh, Once Kissed, Twice Shy, and I don't know what the hell is going on with these horrible pay-per-views. You know, on a side note, I read that one of the pay-per-views, I'm not even sure which one, because it's all a big amalgam. They just mixed together now of garbage. Um, there's one called Capital Punishment now, sir. It's it's in me from Washington, D.C. I don't know who thinks of this, but, man, the WWE is really just, uh, you know, they're just dropping dropping deuces on us left and right. They are. And before we digress even further, let's just, uh, again, we spent the first uh, segment of uh, the first part of uh, PG tonight, folks, talking really about Edge, Adam Copeland, um, the wrestler, the, the character, and how he's going to be missed. I think that, you know, speaking from me, J.B., I definitely think uh, Edge was definitely a great guy. Uh, definitely. In and out of the, yeah, he was definitely a great guy in and out of the ring. Oh, yeah, he was definitely I, a great guy in and out of the ring when he uh, stole Matt Hardy's girlfriend and, uh, you know, betrayed his best friend. That was great. Let, let, you know, uh, let's not make Edge out to be like he's a saint here, sir. I mean, I'm a fan of his, but let's not make it out like this is Mother Teresa we're talking about. You know, I see great human being, integrity and stuff. I, I don't know, you know. I mean, well, what is the WWE doing? I mean... What is Vince McMahon doing? I was ready to make him a saint, but uh, unfortunately, DG <laughs> does mention yeah, to me does mention to me that yet, he did <laughs> he did try to steal Matt Hardy, or he did steal Matt Hardy's girlfriend. But you know, I mean, that happens from time to time. What are you going to do, <laughs> DG? <laughs> it's obvious. Yeah, you're right. Uh, I mean, I, I I can't tell you how many times that happened to me. How many times it's to other people? I mean, it's just too many to count. But uh, you know, <laughs> mo- moving on. <laughs> Before we get to Todd, sir, and his uh, one sure to be epic failure of an update, um, I have one more note on Raw, and then we're going to get into that absolute train wreck debacle. <laughs> Typically, like the uh, the updates and Todd's take, what debacles those are. Before we get into that, um, there was one more thing on Raw that I need to mention, sir. The only thing of interest to me, other than Edge and the terrible John Cena R-Truth botch fest, was Sin Carar, his debut against the often forgotten Primo Cologne. I thought Primo was actually uh, picking, you know, uh, bananas somewhere in uh, in Puerto Rico at this point. But, you know, I look at I look at the roster of talent, and the guys on Raw, especially even SmackDown, Sin Cara has so much talent, so much ability, his aerial maneuverings and whatnot. He can do that. But, I mean, is that going to work against the Big Show? Probably not. I understand that Rey Mysterio was able to work with these guys, but, I mean, Rey was a once-in-a-lifetime competitor. Sincara has the same uh, agility, it seems, has some great moves. He botched that finisher off the top rope, and everybody was going nuts about it. Apparently, the WWE manager was really upset about it. I mean, it, it was, he messed up. It happens. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't that bad. He didn't cripple anybody, but, you know, he had some great moves last night. But the way that I see it, he's got a guy like Primo, who's small and can wrestle. He's got a guy like Evan Bourne, who's small and can wrestle. Chavo can wrestle. Same height, same size. Daniel Bryan. Other than that, who else is he going to go against? Justin Gabriel? I mean, how many? There's not a great talent pool for him to go after. And I, I think this guy's going to end up in mid-card obscurity at some point, even, even with all the big the big fancy debut of his. But any thoughts on that, JB? You, you, you know, I, I I would technically agree with you, but not technically, because I don't think this guy's going to be a mid-carder because of the fact that Triple H personally found the guy. So 
If Triple yeah, H he's is gonna be on, future endeavored. If Triple H found this guy, then this guy's gonna be main event status. He he you know, he might end up on SmackDown. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, except for the fact that he can't speak English. You make it you make it seem like this guy is gonna be uh, you know, the the world heavyweight champion and the WWE champion at the same time. I mean, you know, let's calm down. All right, Triple H found him. You make it seem like Triple H found him on a street corner somewhere. I mean, come on, sir. You make us all sick. You know, Mexico and street corner go hand in hand sometimes. But um, this, is, this is true. The, the fact that, you know, Sankara messed up the, the finisher, I, I have no problem with it. I think they covered it quite nicely, actually. And uh, the finisher, is, like Justin said on one of his tweets, is definitely reliant on... Um, you know his opponent's um, ability to to sell the move. So I don't know how many people he's going to be able to do that kind of move to if he's going to yeah, exactly. if he is going to main event. So what are you going to do? Well, he's going to main event on uh, the now defunct superstars and probably over on NXT and even tough enough maybe he can teach them how to wrestle. But you're right. That's what I mean. His finisher can only be done to smaller guys. I mean Alberto Del Rio can do that finisher to Betty White or he can do it to the Big Show. You know, so it really doesn't matter. But Somebody like Sinkata doesn't have that much flexibility because it's such an over-the-top, literally, top-rope, backflip move, you know, which, I mean, sometimes I'd like to do that to some people, especially the, the Pure Gold staff here. But, you know, without further ado, do let's, uh, you know, let's get into Todd's take. But this segment, folks, this entire Edge love fest that we have just put on, aside from the fact that he's a degenerate, was brought to you by Freedom Cleaning. If you have an office, an apartment, or even a church, or even a career that needs to be cleaned out, Call Freedom Cleaning at 973-668-2275. They're located in Woodland Park, New Jersey, formerly known as West Patterson, a.k.a., folks. This area is Passaic, Bergen, Essex, Morris County, and any other county you could even think of, folks. Orange County, it doesn't matter. They'll travel to you, whatever state you're in, they'll go and they'll clean your toilet. Freedom Cleaning is an LLC. Let us do the things, sorry, let us do the dirty work. I'm turning into JB, folks, forgive me. Call Benjamin Ortiz for a price quote today at 973-668. 2275 or email them at freedom the number two clean at yahoo.com. Thank you, sir. Folks, it's 1038. It's time for the sports update and Todd's take brought to you by Executive Business Machines. Do you have a copier, printer, fax machine, or a computer, or even a Woo. typewriter? Folks, Woo. if you have a typewriter, make sure you keep that and try selling it in about 20 years when it's like considered <laughs> an ancient piece of relic. Because they, I don't know anybody that has a typewriter these days. But if you need any of those things that I just mentioned for repair, make sure you call Executive Business Machines at 201-797-9400, located in Elmwood Park. Executive Business Machines is a family-owned and operated business for over 50 years, and they specialize in service, sales, and supplies on all office equipment. Once again, call Executive Business Machines at 201-797-9400. And if you mention Pure Gold, you will get 20% off of your service order. Without further ado, it's time for the sports update. And Todd, how are you, sir? Much like our many listeners, every time uh, I listen to the show, I get educated. I was unaware that there were banana pickers in the in uh, Puerto Rico. So <laughs> now that we're all a little bit smarter, let's get into the NBA scores. Uh, the Bulls are closing out the Knicks in the waning minutes of the fourth. The Grizzlies and the Trailblazers. The Grizzlies lead the Blazers with about two minutes to play in the first. And the Spurs and Lakers are tipping off any moment now. In Major League Baseball, the uh, Brewers, Pirates, Orioles, Yanks, Mets, Rockies, all rained out today. Uh, in final scores, the Rays beat the Sox, which is wonderful news. 
The uh, the Phillies lose to the Nats, seven to four, which is also more good news. Braves over the Marlins, and the Strohs over the Cubs in the late seventh. Cards are tied with the Diamondbacks in the third, two two all. Dodgers Giants no score in the first. Um, Tigers over the Rangers. <laughs> Excuse me, Mariners over the Jays or Mariners and Jays no score in the second. Royals and the Twins are tied at three in the eighth, and the A's are leading the White Sox in the sixth. JB? Thanks, TJ. I guess the only good news out of that whole sports update is that the Mets cannot lose tonight and the Yankees cannot win. So with rain outs, we are all winners. It is also now time for Todd's take. So, Todd, please, sir, take it away. Okay, so we're all familiar with who Jen Sturger is, correct? Correct. Okay. Well, apparently this bimbo is back in the news again. Uh, She was on (laughs) Good Morning America this morning with uh, George Stephanopoulos, you know, according to ABC News, which is, you know, just such credible news reporting over there. She uh, was quoted as saying, uh, I haven't made a dime off anything in this whole situation. Good Morning America on Tuesday and Wednesday, Nightline on Tuesday night. So she's going to be on ABC three times in the next 36 hours. Uh, Not from the pictures, not from Favre. I never wanted to sue anyone. That was never an intention of mine. I'm not a gold digger. The only way I wanted to make my money this whole time was just to have a job. I mean, I'm stunned by this woman. You know, I was trying to, to go to work. Sturger told ABC, but how are you supposed to report the news when you are the news? Hello, since when were you a news reporter? I mean, who, is this bimbo kidding? I mean, I actually went to her website, which, by the way, looks like a porn site, (laughs) and and read her so-called resume, and what I thought was funny was that every job she's ever had was a stepping stone to something else. She used her looks to manipulate, well, men, obviously, into thinking with their other head, into putting her into a position for, lack of a better phrase, getting more exposure for herself. I mean, her career brings, her her career begins with her being spotted in the stands, displaying her assets at FSU football games, which gets her into magazine layouts, such as Maxim and Playboy. So you know what this broad's all about from the the get-go. Which then gets her an SI blog, which is stunning, which then leads to the uh, New York Jets post-game, then ABC puts her on for March Madness uh, show in 2008. Then the Jets bring her back to host and eventually to Jets game day host on the sidelines in 08 and 09. Now, she, during this time when she's, like, uh, working on the sidelines, supposedly she's, appro- she's approached by some mystery man who works for the Jets that Brett Favre uh, wants to get in touch with her, that he wants his number, all that. We've heard all that nonsense. Okay? It was probably so, you, Todd. You know, it was probably me, yes. So, you know, <laughs> now I, I've, read, I've read in the past that she felt like she lost her job with the, Bets, with the Jets because of the Favre thing, and that's totally untrue. And I can tell you from experience, because I was there, that every time what the viewers didn't see at home, was that every time they go to commercial break, Jen would do some sideline interview with some celebrity or, you know, a Marine sergeant that they had on the sidelines, et cetera, and so on. And the thing is, is that every time she stepped to the microphone, she was booed mercilessly by the fans. 
I mean, every time she opened her mouth, you couldn't hear a word she was saying because she was being booed. Right? She was terrible. Every broadcasting job she's ever had, she was terminated or not renewed for it because, I mean, now listen close, Jen, because I know you're listening. You suck at it, okay? It's that simple. You're not likable. You have nothing to say that anyone gives a crap about. You're a pair of breasts who's <laughs> – you're a pair of breasts whose mouth keeps making noise. I mean, take photos, market what? your image, you know, make your money now because bimbos like you, youth is fleeting, dear, and your career, like your youth, will be taken. I'm Todd Johnstone. JB? Thanks, TJ. What was that website? Because you did mention porn. <laughs> it's jensturger.com. Oh, please. Hey, go over there. Sit up, sit up. <laughs> Thanks, TJ. Yeah, thanks. She needs thanks to for nothing, go Todd. away. <laughs> yeah, she needs to go away just like Todd is going away right now. <laughs> oh, man, these rants just, they're classics, sir. There's just no other way, whether good or bad or ugly, the, the Todd's rants are classic. I think I'm going to have a bowl of cereal right now while we're uh, continuing to discuss, <laughs> discuss Jen Sturger. You know, I, the truth is, as far as Jen Sturger goes, all right, maybe I can buy the fact that she hasn't making any money off of this whole situation. That's fine. But why continue to put yourself out there if it's truly not about getting media attention and getting a spotlight and, and using this to you know, jettison your career in the toilet or boost it somehow? Why even bring it up? If you did something inappropriate, you know, let it go. Let it go under the rug. If it happens to you, all right, fine. Why? So Brett Favre can be known as a pervert and a dirtbag? I don't know, JB. you have any thoughts on this before we get into another uh, dirtbag team? No, I think we spent enough time on Jen Sturger on this show. I didn't even think we'd bring her up, but the fact that uh, Todd did, he did his take, you know, I got to respect that. So enough with Jen Sturger. Yeah, re respect? I don't think respect is the right word, sir, but yeah, whatever you say. <laughs> Thanks. So uh, going uh, from one bad topic to probably the toilet, uh, DG, <laughs> um, you last night had tickets for the Colorado Rockies against our New York STEM <laughs> Wait, did you just say the Colorado Rockies? <laughs> <laughs> That's how they say it in the West. They say the Rockies. Yeah, I, I saw it because you were talking about Jen Sturger, but let, let, let's continue to you know go, move on from there. I did, sir. I had tickets. I don't know how I got them, but somehow they were in my possession, the New York Metropolitans against the Colorado Rockies. And uh you have any questions for me, sir, before I go into my rant on this whole thing? Yeah, I mean, I know you're going to go into this huge rant, and we're going to talk about the Mets in general, but just tell me... How were the seats? Did you have a good time, at least with the misses? And any regrets? Well, first of all, I went to the game with Jen Sturger, so we were talking about her uh, her interview for today, so I was able to really pick her brain, so that was good. Um, oh, aside good. from that, aside from the lovely company that I had, um, the game itself sucked, but let's backtrack off of that. I had a good time, and surprisingly enough, I guess it's my wife's, um, or Jen Sturger, whomever, I guess it's the influence <laughs> of the, you know, my significant other, as it were, my baby mama, or soon-to-be. Right. Joe, you know, you and I have been friends for a very long time. I don't know how we've stayed, managed to stay friends through all the, you know, ups and downs and horrible things you've done to me, but... I used to get furious. I used to get upset. I used to punch kids. I used to hit babies. I used to go kick cats when the Mets would lose. I'd go, to me, the worst thing in the world is to spend money on a game, go out there, all the way out there to City Field or, you know, little Alcatraz, as I like to call it, and go to a game, have the Mets lose, and then you, you drive home and, you know, you're miserable. 
Yeah. I was miserable on the way home, but it's because the the George Washington Bridge, the lower level, which is what I was taking to get home, was closed with the access to New Jersey, so I was basically forced to go into Manhattan and then make a make a crazy U-turn and come back, so that upset me. But aside from that, I really was not that upset, and I think it's my wife. I think it's the influence she's having on my life in a positive aspect, and you would think, you know, minister or whatever, uh, you know, this guy should be a little bit better of a human being. But I get upset when I go to this, you know, you waste money and stuff. But going to the game, the Mets losing in a horrible fashion like they did. And I think in my lifetime, they've probably lost 65% of the games that I've gone to. But, you know, I wasn't that upset when I came home. I was okay. Wife and I got home. We saw Edge. Maybe the whole Edge thing had me thinking. But we got home. We watched that. Um, I think that the highlight of my night was uh, – going to Shake Shack for the first time, because I had been to City Field a couple of times, and getting a Shack burger. And, sir, it was Shacktastic. It was amazing. I loved it. Um, I should have got a double. I should have got another one, but my wife wouldn't let me. Um, neither would Jen. You know, I should have got, got two patties instead of one. It was great. You know, we enjoyed ourselves. We enjoyed the food. It was, it was definitely good. The seats were great. The view was great. Uh, we were about pretty much in – a little bit to left center field, almost in dead center. Angel Pagan threw, turned around and threw a ball to us, which is when I realized we were in center and not left because I wasn't paying attention. This is before the game. I actually made it there so early that we were able to see some batting practice, which was nice. Uh, I think uh, Ryan Church was on the field. I don't know who the hell that was, but it looked like Ryan Church hitting balls left and right all over. And, you know, we were able to see that. We, he threw a ball a few a few rows away from us. And then some goofy kid in, in our section, a couple rows back, won some contest. You know, I never won anything when I go to these games. But, uh, you know, sir, any anything else you'd like to know before I, I rant about how uh, awful the game was? You know, DG, I, I think you, you had some things, and I think I'm going to have to totally disagree with you. I think that you said that like, your wife uh, – yeah, I think you said that your wife has a calming effect on you or whatever you said that you don't seem to care anymore. And unfortunately, no, 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 no. What I said was, as far as them losing and then me coming home and not, you know, punching things and going crazy and acting like a savage like I used to, that's what I meant by she's had a good effect on me. I mean, I still get upset about the Mets and in general with them losing, but just not going crazy immediately following the game. I know, but I, I still disagree with you saying that you think it's your wife's effect. I think personally, I think that. The Mets have been bad for uh, quite some time, and they're non-competitive. Even though they they had two good seasons in 07 and 08, I just think that we've become numb to this whole situation. I think as Mets fans, we're slowly we just don't care anymore, and that's the worst part, DG. When you don't care and you don't have passion about your teams, it's it's you know I know we're fans forever, but when you start not caring about losses as much as we did like when we were kids or even younger than that, you know, there's something wrong with that. I mean, I guess to a certain extent that is true. The only reason, again, I feel it's, 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 I lean towards my wife is because up and, you know, even recently going to games last year, you know, we went to a game just last year and I was furious about the Mets and, you know, you're right in a sense that we don't care about it as much as we did when we were kids, but you know, it's just, it's just not the same for me, I guess. And, and this team has just been, so bad and you know again trying to just be a better person and not be a total tool um you know but as far as the actual game sorry so you you had something to say you were interrupting me as always as always um i just wanted to set the table for you 
because uh, about a week ago, or even maybe two weeks ago, the the Mets were playing 750 ball when they were three and oh, one, please. and now and now they're four and six. They're playing 400 ball. So DG, I mean, you were there firsthand. Just tell us what the hell is going on. And not only that, you know, for this team, I'm just going to mention this: for this team to get off to a four and six start and lose a series over the weekend to the Nationals at home is the worst thing that could happen to the Mets. I think that their attendance is going to be just like their attendance was last night, and I want you to go into this full-blown rant on how bad it is so fast, so early in this season. DG, go. Well, speaking of all that, you know, I heard today Jason Bay is going to be out until, you know, April 26th of next year. I mean, you got to be kidding. This guy's coming off of a concussion last year, concussion-filled, and then he misses the entire month of April? I mean, damn, the message just cut him now. Get him out. Get him the hell out of the league. Make us all sick, as we like to say. Um, that really sucks. But aside from that, you know, the Mets are the most inept franchise I think I've ever seen in my entire life. And that's including the Marlins when they're bad. That's including, uh, you know, the Rangers up until recently. That's including the Indians over the years. I mean, even Major League, those, those guys are better than this. Um, the Mets should have won yesterday's game handily. Instead, they, they were dealt a terrible 7-6 loss. It, it got so bad, sir that I was actually cheering for the Rockies at the end of the game. When the Mets would throw the ball away, when they'd make errors, when Bobby Purnell gave up a two-run homer that effectively crushed them, I was yelling, I was chanting for the Rockies, I was applauding, and then, you know, doing gestures I shouldn't have done. But well, let's start out with this. We were walking around because my wife was a little uncomfortable. Um, you know, we went to the Mets shop. So we're looking at the, in the shop. I'm trying on Ike Davis jerseys. I'm, you know, trying to see which jersey fits me better so I can not not buy it there because it cost me an arm and a leg. But I look on the screen, Mike Palfrey, who did not have a good game yesterday, and that's, you know, he wasn't horrific, but he wasn't that good. He just was all over the place, as we typically are on this show. But the Pelfinator did not like his hands enough, and he did not get the job done. They bring in Ryota Igarashi, who was just brought up from the minor leagues or wherever the hell he was. I don't know where. But Igarashi comes out. The bases are loaded. Hit the ball back to him. All he has to do is soft toss it to the plate, and then Tolu will turn around, double play, inning over, get him the hell out. Mets are still winning 4-2. to two. Instead, he throws the ball about three feet off of the plate, where Tolly has to jump, catch it, and then run back to the bag and get one out to be sure. The next hitter with an infield drawn in gets a single, which scores two runs and, of course, ties the game and ruins my entire evening. Then we have Bobby Parnell. I'm telling you, sir, the Mets look worse than they did on the Jerry Manuel with their lack of, you know, not, not even clutch hitting or anything like that. Basically, their lack of fundamentals. Parnell comes in right. Throwing 100 miles an hour right down the plate, so he's not doing anything. They hit the ball back to him also. He takes the ball and fires it five feet over the catcher's head. That, again, would have been a double play. would have effectively gotten him out of uh, the trouble that he was in. And even if the next batter hit a home run, it would have been one run, and that's it. Instead, one run scored on that play, and then the next batter hit a two-run homer, so the Mets are now losing 7-4. to four. And I, I just tell you, Joe, they're totally inept. They have no clue what the hell they're doing. It's going to be a long season. After watching that yesterday, I mean, I'll probably still go to a game only because my nephew wants to go and, you know, take him, maybe my dad for his birthday so my dad can, you know, go crazy and yell at me and, and be upset with me for taking him to a game. But the truth is that this team is completely inept. They have no clue what they're doing. And, JB, I mean, they truly do make us all sick. DG, I have some specific questions for you about the Mets. Uh, 10 games into the season. I know it's still early, but 
again, I said that um, for Mets fans and for the Mets themselves, to get off to a slow start was the absolute worst thing that could happen to them, and, and they're, they're off to a very bad start to lose a series to the Nets at home. The, the season, you know, they even lost the season opener at home on Friday to the Nets, and, you know, it doesn't get much worse than that to lose your season opener. You know, they, they basically, the schedule makers were nice to the Mets. They actually made the season opener uh, at home against the Nets. I mean, and they still lost. But, DG, um, how right were we before the season about this whole Angel Pagan being a starting center fielder? No way is this guy a starting center fielder. Look at his batting average. Look at how he's hitting the ball. He's not hitting the ball. He is a terrible starting center fielder. He's at best a fourth, if not a fifth outfielder for any good team. I think he's best a fourth outfielder, sir. I, I agree. He's not a starting center fielder. Um, you know, but it's, I think I told my wife yesterday, the Mets fans, and, you know, I have to explain everything to her, which is kind of cute and kind of annoying, but hopefully she didn't hear what I just said. The Mets fans have a history of falling in love with these guys who are average players. Again, I, I bring up the Chico Walkers, the Keith Millers, the Bill Pakotas, the Butch Huskies, the Jay Payans, the guys who are really not that good, but they're average and they're Mets, so people love them. You know, I just don't understand the love affair with Angel Pagan. He's a good player, but he's not a starting center field. You said it. I think you and I are the only ones who agree on this. I listen to Evan. I listen to these other goofs on the fan. People talk about Pagan like he's just, like he's Carlos Beltran went healthy. He's not. He's never come close. He'll never be close. And he should not be the starting center fielder for this team. But the fact is that Beltran can't do it. The Mets have no money to spend. So, you know what? I think I would probably be a better starting center field option than Angel Pagan, but... Sir, this is going to be a long, long slop fest of a season. There's no doubt that that this this season. I mean, we're, we're gonna we're, we're gonna be praying, we're gonna be begging like uh, like a dog. We're gonna be begging for football to start in the middle of you know June because this this is gonna this is gonna be a train wreck, sir. An absolute train wreck of a season. There's no yeah, fans or buts about it. Yeah, if, if there's an NFL lockout, then we're really screwed because um, the Mets are just, you know, you're right, they're a train wreck. And uh, for me to even vote, and I'll be honest with you folks, we're here live on the air, I actually voted that the Mets would win between 80 and 85 games. And at this rate, DG, you, you mentioned it, so why not mention it on the air? How about this god-awful bullpen? Sir, the Mets bullpen is a complete and utter, and I mean utter, disgrace. They're absolutely terrible. I just, you know, I, 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 it makes us all sick, you know. The Mets are just horrible. The bullpen, they have no talent in this pen. Frankie can't get the job done. Um, I don't know, Joe. I, I don't even know what to say. What I saw yesterday, I mean, Jason Isringhausen, it's nice to see him. It's a feel-good story and all that stuff. Um, looks like he's packed down a few pounds since, uh, you know, he was a, a Met, what the hell are they called, Generation K. But man, this this bullpen is the worst. They they don't have a single decent arm in the pen. Don't tell me DJ Carrasco's any good. Don't tell me, you know, these other goofs. Blaine Boyer's gone. Uh, Bieto or whatever the hell his name is. You know, I keep thinking of Joe Orsolak, but that other fool Tim Burdak. I mean, these guys are gone, garbage. They're bottom feeders. They they're awful. They're absolutely awful. 
And again, it's going to be just a disastrous season. If the Mets don't do something, this is this is the worst kind of start. You said at four and six, okay, they're not zero and ten, but this is the worst kind of start the Mets could have gotten out to because they needed to get off fast. They needed to get fans in the park. At this rate, Joe, they're going to be completely empty by the middle of May. I mean, maybe June at the most, and they're going to be out of contention by the All Star break before then. Yeah, and that's going to be sad because the baseball season is probably, to me anyway, the longest uh, of all the the sports. I know that. Um, hockey seems like it's a forever sport because it starts in like September and it doesn't end until June, which is almost like a full year. But to me, when your team in baseball sucks and they play every day or almost every day, it's a long season. So Met fans, for whoever's still there, I mean, Mitch, I'd, I'd love to get your take on this kind of stuff. Um, where are the Met fans? Where are they? Because I don't want them hiding. Like, we can't hide because we do a show here. But uh, I want Met fans to be calling. I want them to be irate. I want them to be just as mad as we are. And, DG, I think, unfortunately, if the Mets are going to be this poor or even worse, I think that Jose Reyes is not going to be a Met by the All-Star break. Sir, I don't think Jose Reyes is going to be a Met by the end of this week at the way the way the rate that the Mets are playing. I mean, it could be worse. It could be the Red Sox. Because, man, how horrible are the Red I know that, again, I'm not going to jump off the wagon. I love the Red Sox. I think they're going to be good. But, man, they're starting off 2-9. and nine. You know, the Mets are 4-6 and six at least. Oh, by the way, the Mets are firmly in last place. I just thought I'd throw that out there for you, sir. They're, they're half a game behind the uh, Atlanta Braves. A game behind the – I mean, it's over, sir. Lock it up. Throw away the key. The Mets are done. And, DG, um, how, how bad is it that – Mike Pelfrey, after having a great year last year, the supposed ace while Johan Santana is on the DL, how bad does Pelfrey look the last three, I mean, the first three starts so far this season? He has looked like a man who has no clue what he's doing. I mean, he, he's been lost. There's no other way to put it, but Mike Pelfrey looks lost on the mound. I mean, yesterday, again, he did okay. It's his best start of the season, but I mean, he had like 85 pitches in the, the fourth inning or the, or the fifth inning. I mean, mm-hmm. that's horrible. He he even if even if he had stayed in there and he had gotten out of that jam, he wasn't going to last another inning. So Pelfrey did not get the job done. And you know, I, I'm hoping that this is just a bad stretch of road for him, and he's going to turn around because last year he was great for like his first what was it? I think he was nine and one at one point. His first 10, 11 starts, he was lights out had a bad month, and then pretty much turned it back on. So I'm hoping that the same thing will happen here, sir. Because if not, I mean, this is other than Chris Young, who who is the, is the Cy Young right now of this team, it, this is going to be awful, sir. Absolutely yeah. atrocious. It's also a bad sign when R.A. Dickey was not walking anybody last year, and now he's you know his walks are up so high that you know even you know even R.A. Dickey is probably going to have a bad season the way it looks. And, DG, um, the real thing I hate about it, and I know you're going to totally disagree with this, and all Mets fans are going to disagree with me with this, but I am so sick of being the Mets being this in-between club where they have some superstars and they have some minor league talent. I'm of the belief that it's time to bring up all the, the minor league talent and let the young guys play. Like, if, Wait, if, sir. If I could, go ahead. What talent? What minor league talent? What, what are we talking I don't about care. here? I don't care. Bring up the no-names that nobody even knows about. At least they're going to try their butts off. I want to get rid of anybody that will take Carlos Beltran. If anybody wants Jason Bay, you could have him. Jose Wait, Reyes, I, I, I'd like to keep him. Did you just him. say that you want to get rid of anybody that will take Carlos Beltran? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> I just want to make sure we're on the same page there. Yeah. I want to trade Frankie Rodriguez for a, a bag of balls. I just want to get 
all this overpaid bums off. Even if we have to pay for half their salary, I want to get all these guys off of my team because I am get so tired. Of Mets. Yes, I am so tired of this Mets team. The last couple of years having good talent, you know, names like a Carlos Beltran and Jose Reyes, David Wright, people like that, even Frankie Rodriguez, those kind of names that are just not good baseball players or not good with the Mets. I think the Mets are jinxed. Uh, I'm going to tell you again, they sold their souls back in 86. They sold their souls to the devil when they came back against the Red Sox with two outs in the bottom of the ninth inning. The Mets will never be good. Get rid of this team. <laughs> Will Ponce, sell the team. I'm going on a rant. I don't even know. I, I, I don't want to talk about it no more, DG. We're in the overrun, and I don't want to talk about Mets anymore. And I have so many nuggets that I'm going to save for Thursday night because the Mets just make me vaquent. They make you what? Vaquent. What, is it? what the hell does that mean? You never watched Saturday Night Live with uh, Mike Myers? You mean I was I, when I was like five, five years old? No, I don't remember. I don't remember those days. So I'm sorry. Oh, then don't worry about it. But, but anyway, you, you make us all sick. <laughs> if you're gonna save all your nuggets for the next show, which you always do. Oh, and by the way, I don't know what now you're talking about Thursday, folks. Pure gold for the next two weeks will be coming to you a back to back and a belly to belly. Tomorrow, we will have our next show because Thursday, I will be out with the kitties doing some other things. Friday, I'm going to a marriage conference with uh, the Wifester, um, hopefully never to return again and to retire from Pure Gold Forever, living in the lap of luxury. And next Wednesday, we will also have a show because I will be going away to Tennessee. So being that, you know, Joe and I have pretty much agreed that we're never going to have a co-host aside from each other. We're going to just move it for the next two weeks. So it'll be Tuesday, Wednesday, back-to-back, belly-to-belly. The week after that, we'll have a superstar sensation. The one and only Christy Marie of LP Records. Ha-ha! She's going to be joining us. Um, you know, on the let me, let me let me double-check the dates on this. On April 26th, which is a Tuesday, so that should be interesting. We're going to have her joining us, another uh, wonderful guest uh, to add to the show of, you know, the show that knows sports life and everything in between. Sir, do you have any final notes before we uh, flush this one downtown to Chinatown? I guess I'll have one nugget because, you know, I could save my nuggets. Basically, I want to just talk about the NBA playoffs that are coming this weekend and the NHL playoffs. The NHL playoffs start tomorrow night, but the one nugget I do have is that. um, Yeah, they do. (laughs) I know that you didn't watch it this past weekend, but my favorite tournament in golf is the Masters only because I love the course. And I love it when Tiger Woods is in it because I love following Tiger Woods. I think he's the best golfer ever. Um, unfortunately, his his off-the-course annex will cost him uh, the way he's looked at, you know, as a as a golfer and as a man, obviously. But um, obviously. And he's never gonna he's never gonna be the same again. Let's face it, folks. He's not gonna be that dominant force again, which really stinks because I really want to see this guy become the best ever and just win every tournament. But the Masters is a great tournament just for the fact that it's a it's the biggest major. It's the one everyone talks about. The course is so beautiful, and I did watch pretty much all of round four, which was on Sunday, and a little bit on uh, Saturday, a little bit on Friday. And to watch Tiger Woods being like about like seven shots back going into Sunday, it was great for TV, folks. I mean, there's nothing you know if you're a sports fan, just the fact that Tiger was seven strokes back and was able to catch. Um, you know, the, the the two people that were in the lead, but then unfortunately didn't have enough holes to finish it out because he was so behind that there was other people that just, you know, were able to to win the tournament. Charles 
Schwarzel. I think he must be Druish with that kind of name, but he's not. He's South African. Um, congratulations for winning the green jacket. DG, the Masters is a great tournament, and Tiger Woods always makes the tournament you know, even greater. I know you have no thoughts on it, so flush that down the oh. oh, man. I, I'm sorry. Were you talking? I think I fell asleep on that. Holy Holy jeez! I mean, come on, golf! I can't believe I can't believe you actually disgraced my show. That's right, my show with golf talk. You know, the truth of the matter is that I don't even know I hate golf so much. I just loathe it and I detest it, and I just nothing will ever interest me. You know, Tiger Woods out there sleeping with porn stars and doing who knows what with how many women, and I just don't care. You know, the only guy in golf that I like is Phil Mickelson, and I have no idea why I like Phil Mickelson. I think it's the fact that he never wins, or, I mean, he, I know he's won a couple of tournaments, but he always, uh, you know, he's in the end, he's he's ready to go, he's ready to take it all down, and then he messes up a putt, or he'll, you know, shank a couple of balls, and then he'll end up like ninth, even though he was somehow, you know, first uh, on the leaderboard. But um, aside from that, I just can't get into golf. I know that you like pretty much anything under the sun, bowling, golf, women's tennis, uh, women's, you know, badminton poker. or whatever, the WNBA. I mean, you, you like it all. It, it doesn't really matter, sir. Poker. I like poker. Yeah, I bet you do, sir. But, folks, <laughs> moving along from the Masters, please let's, let's end this god-awful segment. Um, once again, we have our show tomorrow, so tune in tomorrow, folks. It's going to be awesome. 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. But before we close out, sir, our sponsors for the evening, one of which we can get into that. Freedom Cleaning. If you have an office, an apartment, or even a studio, like the Pure Gold Studio, that needs to be cleaned, call Freedom Cleaning at 973-668-2275. They're located in Woodland Park, New Jersey. They service Sake, Bergen, Essex, and Morris Counties, my county. Freedom Cleaning is an LLC. Let us do the dirty work. Call Benjamin Ortiz for a price quote today at 973-668-2275. Email them at freedom2clean.com. At yahoo.com, and when you call, make sure that you mention Pure Gold, or they will not, I repeat, they will not service you. Folks, tonight's uh, PG episode show was also brought show? to you by, yes, and, and Jen Sturgis' website was brought to you by Executive Business Machines. <laughs> if you have a copier, printer, fax machine, a computer, or even a typewriter, and who would have a typewriter these days, but if you do, that needs repair. I bet Jen Sturgis does. I bet Jen Sturgis does too. If you do, call Executive Business Machines at 201-797-9400, located in Elmwood Park, New Jersey. Executive Business Machines is a family-owned and operated business for over 50 years where they specialize in service, sales, and supplies on all office equipment. Once again, call Executive Business Machines at 201-797-9400. And if you mention Pure Gold, you will get 20% off of your service order. So, DG, I will see you in 24 hours. Well, yeah, you'll see me, all right. You know, I'm hoping that we'll be able to get Jen Sturger on the show. I know that Todd is a huge fan of hers. So I'm going to throw out this open challenge, as it were, this open gauntlet match for Jen Sturger. If you want to come on Pure Gold and you want to talk about how Brett Favre abused you and how you got a picture of his you-know-what, his hoo-ha, and basically you've made no money on it, come on our show because we won't pay you either. So remember, folks, this episode of Pure Gold was brought to you by JenSturger.com, one of our many sponsors, JB. It's been a pleasure. Yours, of course. Remember to tune in tomorrow at 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for JB. Oh, wait. <laughs> Let me backtrack for a second, folks. i got to thank our producer, Fitz. I'd like to thank our media director, Mr. Jose. I'd like to thank Todd for his sports update and, of course, his wonderful rant. I'd like to thank 
our sideline reporter, Jen Sturger, and, of course, I'd like to thank the lovely Kelly, our board op, for making this show what it is. You are fans. You are callers. You are listeners. We thank you all for all your phone calls. We thank Ray uh, you know, from Wellington. We thank Mitch from Fort Lee. We thank Kenny from West Palm Beach. You know, We thank Vic from New England or wherever he's from. We thank everybody who's people. called in this show. I'm sorry, what did you say, sir? Don't forget the two people that um, that called in tonight, too, Melissa and Shannon. Oh, of course, Melissa and Shannon. You know, how can I forget about them? If I could, if I could, you know, touch on this for a second. You know, JB and I have been uh, doing a lot of tweeting, and for the most part, what the hell is going on here? For the most part, we don't let people know which one of us is tweeting, and it gets to be kind of confusing because, you know, I'll tell somebody something, like Melissa Ortiz, who's our biggest fan, and I know she's listening to the show right now, um, Melissa, you know, one of our many faithful thousand people that we have uh, following us on Twitter. But, right. you know, we'll tell them something, and then Joe will say something offensive, and then I'll feel the need to, like, say, hey, that's not me, it's JB. And then, you know, of course, Joe will get pissed at me. And Shannon, the number one Red Sox fan, she's a huge listener, supporter of the show. Um, you know, she she tweets, she emails, she really just sends us things that just, you know, can't be repeated on the air. She's a huge, again, Sox fan. She's she's I think she's suicidal right now. She's very... Upset, she's got nowhere to turn, nowhere to run. So we hope that you know she's getting better at the asylum that she's at right now. Um, you know, and again, we like to thank all of you for for following us on Twitter because you make us great, greater than what we are as individuals. We come together as a as a group, as two co-hosts, not partners, because that sounds weird. But you know what, sir? Once again, before I close, I like to read an email. You know, I'm I'm sorry, folks. I'm all over the place. It's all this Jen Sturgeon stuff. Really, has got me going. Um, I need to I need to throw this out here. We have uh, Ryan from Bergenfield who sent us this email. Uh, he said he was at Sunday's eight to four Mets victory. I, I guess he meant Saturday because the Mets lost on Sunday. Uh, he was at sun- Saturday's eight to four Mets victory over the Nationals. He wants to know, sir. Maybe you can answer this. I know you don't want to talk about Mets, but I got to throw this out there for my boy Ryan. Is this the best that K Rod can do? Why does he always make the ninth inning so painful? And why is he so inconsistent? Would you like to break it down for us, sir? Well, if he's not, you know, hitting his um, his his mother-in-law in the face, he's hitting batters in the back. Um, no, I'm just kidding about that. I, I think Frankie Rodriguez <laughs> is just a mental case. Um, get him off my team. And um, wait, who's the guy that sent the email again? Ryan from Bergenfield. Ryan, I mean, let's just face it. If you're focused on Frankie Rodriguez being the biggest problem of the Mets right now, then we've got to talk. So please call in tomorrow night. And we'll definitely talk it out. We'll definitely have some therapy session. We'll definitely t- we'll all like do a little kumbaya, and we'll make sure that Frankie Rodriguez will not be a worry for you anymore. <laughs> Folks, once again, let me say this for the fifth time. I got to remind you to tune in tomorrow at 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And closing out finally for JB, this is DG of Pure Gold reminding you to always keep it PG. Is that all? Is that all? Sir, sir is, is that all? all? Just That's remember, all. <laughs> the rated R superstar is no more. Maybe he'll end up as a better ball player with the Washington Nationals, Nationals because, of course, we know Edge is Jason Worth. Folks, good evening. See ya. <laughs>